0: Seated. That very uh, last phrase, I'm going to talk about that in a few more minutes, what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. I actually had an experience with somebody trying to connect with them, and I don't want to, I'm not going to give you all the details because it's really going to work within the message, but it was something that the enemy was going to use me in the words that I was speaking, trying to connect with somebody. Not, it wasn't meant in any way derogatory, but because of events that had happened, it was going to be spun in a really bad way, and I had to apologize, and I'll I'll talk about that in just a moment, but before we do that um, and get into that part of the message, I got two uh, scripture verses that I want to actually um, have you open up to in Matthew chapter 12. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be talking today about raising the, other, um, the next generation. But what, in aspect of talking about it, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the power of your words and the power of honor. And that God had really, it, he's always intended every generation to have more understanding, more of the God factor in their life in every generation. Because the, the, the next generation was to receive From the prior generation through honor, honor is a a river of value that God brings into the next generation. That's why we'll we'll read Ephesians six a little bit later in this message today, where it talks about honor your parents that it may go well. The reason it's saying that is because the children receive from the parents, they from from the parents through that honor, whether the parents are honorable or not. That's not what God's saying. You're not honoring because they're honorable. The Bible says honor because it's the way to receive. And right now what we do is we live in a generation I'll do if I feel like doing it. I'll do it if it's what I I feel it's it's um it's honorable. Whether we're going to honor a work, you know, a our boss, or we're going to work, we're not even honoring our police department anymore. We're not honoring hardly anybody, and God says that we're supposed to do it. So we can't receive the value of a police officer because we don't honor a police officer. We can't receive the value of a parent because we don't honor a parent. We can't receive the value of a teacher, and so therefore, not only that, but now the police officers are starting not to see themselves as valuable because we're not. This whole thing reciprocates. And it's all because God intended us to receive and that every generation would have more of the God sense. Now watch this. Um, The Bible says very clearly that the ways of this world is rebellious to the ways of God. So we have the way of God and the way of the world. All right, so what's happened is that we can all agree that the the world is more educated than it's ever been. It's smarter, it's more of the world. The way of the world has become smarter and smarter and there's so much intelligence, but there's so less God. So what's happened is, is that people have received more of this world, more of the sense and understanding of this world, but the generations, because see, rebellion it's passed on really quick, it's even honored. In fact, we have people today, it seems like what we're doing right now in society is that we're going over there, we're raising a flag for people that wanna rebel. We've, we've got even people literally trying to get voted into office because they wanna support people that are rebellious. That's nonsense. But that's what's going on today. And yet what we should be doing is honoring. the fact, the Bible says pray for your leaders. Why do we pray? Because it helps you know how to honor. Keeping that honor in place. Keeping that value in place. And then the same thing about the power of our words. In Matthew chapter 12, and so many people lose sight because they just think, well, I can do whatever I feel like doing, say whatever I feel like saying. And, you know, and they're just really just, I mean, I'm not really, it's there's really no harm in it. That's not what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. it's a treasury, it means the heart is just full of good things and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Every idle word. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Hebrews 11, verse one through three, and I'm gonna read from the Amplified Translation. Now faith is assurance Title, deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gained divine approval. So people that that were of divine approval in times past, okay, patriarchs of the faith, were people like this. Now, what did they do? By faith, that is, with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, the universe, the ages were framed, created, formed, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. Today, I hope that you can comprehend or begin to comprehend that the framework of your world is framed by what you say. If you don't like in the environment and what you're living in today, it's because you were framing it in what you were saying in times past. It's very important. that it's. That's why I think it's so important for you to be getting in the Word of God, because if you're in the Word of God. The word of God is going to be coming out of the treasury of your own heart, and the things you'll be speaking is the word of God, and so what will happen in, in, the, t- in the future, because your framework of what you're saying is because of what you, you've said in, from your heart, and what's in your heart is the word of God, and now what's going to ha- come out of your mouth is the truth and the words, and what's going to happen is the framework of your world, will because of the words that you have spoken. So in, if you're writing notes, I hope you do, because this is probably one of the most important uh, if you're going to talk about next generation, if we're going to be talking about presently how to help things in the present world and how to help others and help them understand, this message is really going to be it's very intentional. Number one, words have the power to shape lives for bad or for good. The spirit realm, if we could talk about that just for a minute. The spirit realm. Many of us, we over-communicate today with text. We over-communicate through the web, but what we don't hardly communicate is through presence. Did you know that God wants us to be, God wants you to pray so that you're present with him. He doesn't want you to text him. He doesn't want you to get on the web with him. He wants to get you to get in his presence, and that's really what God wants you to do with people. I mean, there's nothing, I get we can have text, and I get we can have web, but let me tell you something, it should, it's not to take the place of a relationship. We fellowship with each other. That's the way God wanted us to be. He wants us to fellowship with him. And yet today, many, in fact, I, I'm finding a lot of this generation, what's going on right now, is you can call them, they don't answer. Or you can text them, and they get right back with you. Can, Come on, people, I'm, not, I'm just telling you something. That's not God's way. And I'm not against texting. I'm not against the web. I'm saying that I'm what we're supposed to do, we need to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. That's what we're supposed to do. We need to fellowship. I'm not saying stop texting. I'm not saying stop getting on the web. What I'm saying is start fellowshipping. Amen? God made us to be, to be in fellowship with his presence. Number two. All words are not measured the same. Not every word is measured the same. Here's what happens, and and hopefully you're taking out. Thoughts become opinions. Opinions become judgments, and judgments are vows which become strongholds. Thoughts become opinions. Opinions become words and judgments and vows. And those become strongholds. Now, for the positive or for the negative, I believe that nothing, you know I believe that today we don't have a place where we really are vowing or making a heart consecrated to God. God, I, I want to honor you in new places. I, the other, um, yesterday I was in my truck, spent quite a bit of time in my truck in the drive, and I was just finding myself and just worship and fellow, I was just, just having a great time in that little cab with God. Just was. And it wasn't very long. I think I was in that thing for about an hour, and the next thing you know, I was back into the world, and I was fellowshipping people that were in the world. And you know what? And they were nice people, but it wasn't the same. It's not like fellowshipping with you and God. It's not like church. I love to fellowship with God and the church. I understand I have to live in the world. I gotta live in that world, I I have a marketing in this world, I have a business in this world, and everything else, but man, I love to fellowship with the body of Christ, and in his his presence. And the words are different, and and the expressions are different, and the worship is very, very different. Not all words are the same. In fact, I'm gonna read Ecclesiastes chapter five, again from the Amplified Translation, hopefully it will just framework your thinking a little bit different. Guard your steps and focus on what you are doing as you go into the house of God. And he doesn't, this, this doesn't have to be the only thing where you're thinking of house of God. Okay, house of God could be in, like it was in my truck yesterday. I was in, to me, I was in his presence. It was, it, was, it was the house of God. And draw near to listen rather than to offer the careless or irreverent sacrifice of fools. For they are too ignorant to know they are doing evil. Do not be hasty with your mouth, speaking careless words or vows, or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter before God. For God is in heaven, you're on earth. Therefore let your words be few. For the dream comes through much effort, and the voice of the fool through many words. When you make a vow or a pledge to God, do not put off paying it. For God takes no pleasure in fools who thoughtlessly mock him. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than what you should vow and not pay. Do not allow your speech to cause you to sin. And do not say before the messenger, priest of God, that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry because of your voice? Words destroy the work of your hands. For in the multitude of dreams and in a flood of words, a, there is worthlessness Rather, reverently fear God and worship him with all filled respect, knowing who he is. The first time this passage came into my understanding was 21 years ago, as I was in resurrection life in Grand Haven. And I was, uh, it, it was one, one of the hardest years of my life it was the year of preparation for this church to get planted. And I was in a, a place of of rejection from my pastor, there was just, the, our, the, we went from having this awesome relationship to one that was void. And I didn't understand why. And, and so yet what I didn't know is that God was placing me in a place where he was gonna fill that void. And so what happened is, is that I would like, just like a, a sanctuary like this, every single morning, I would lay on, um, on some chairs or lay on the floor, and I'd put on some worship music. And my heart would f- was feeling void. My heart was feeling rejected. I was wondering, was I making the biggest mistake? I just adopted three girls. I got seven kids in my family. I, I'm going to be leaving Grand Haven, you know, and then moving up here. I had no, I, I, there was nothing that was going to be secure. Nothing secure. Didn't have a home to stay in. we were gonna have, We were, We were gonna. We moved into Muskegon. Literally, we moved in with seven kids. So nine of us lived in a house with one bathroom. My wife and I lived underneath a. We made a room underneath the staircase. That's where we lived. So you know, we have a big, beautiful home right now. But that's not how we started. That's not what God had moved us into. And I was walking the streets, and I remember my kids being threatened with a knife. And so I'm looking at all these things, looking at the sacrifice, I'm going, yet in my heart, I knew what God wanted me to do, yet my circumstances and the scenarios were completely polar opposite, and people were speaking, telling me I was making the biggest mistake of my life. Yet the voice of God and the things I was going, what was gonna frame my life? Remember, I shared them with you. Words, words become what? Opinions. Opinions become judgments and vows, and those vows become strongholds for the spirit realm to work with. So I began to frame my life. I walked every single day, and I was walking with God. I would worship God at there, and I would just say, I remember, God goes, this is not the time to sit there and get careless with your words. This is not the time to be careless with worry. This is the time to receive from me. This is the time to get quiet yourself and receive from me. And it was so hard because my noisy world was so contradictory. To the present joe i mean i had a i had just finished a house in grand haven all the stuff was beautifully done everything was where it was i had a i, I had a, a a great ministry going on already i had two other people i trained up i had so the the workload wasn't that heavy i had a business that was you know was thriving outside everything was glorious on the outside other than I had, now I just adopted three-year-old girls. I didn't know how, what I was going to do with that. But I mean, it was glorious. And God said, I want you to move and start this work. A little quiet voice from God. Quiet voice from God. Today, it's like we, we're moved by the no- what's noisiest. Some of you, many times, even when, when my kids, if I, I've, one of the things I've, I've tried to teach them, that when they're screaming and hollering, I'm not going to move until you stop, because, see, I don't want them to think that God is going to move when they scream and holler. I want to be a father figure, like a spiritual father figure. And some of us, we're, we're, we're really moving and reacting when it gets too chaotic. God doesn't move that way. God moves by words and words of truth and kingdom. He doesn't move by emotion. He has emotion, but he's not moved with the emotion. And it seems like this whole world is framed by emotion. It's not framed by words and truth. We are the kingdom. We should be framing our world by truth and words, not by the emotion of the moment. Amen? Number three, lives are bound by vows. God and Satan, some of, and we're going to be having a, a moment at the end of the service to help you with this. Here's words that we've done and spoken over our lives or others have spoken over our lives. I'll never get over the pain of what you did to me. That's a vow Satan can work in. I will always have this struggle in my life. That's a vow that Satan can work in. I will never be free from this sin. It's a vow. I'll never get over this addiction. Every church I go to has problems just like with the leadership, just like this one. I'll never forgive this person for what they did to me. I'll always be broke. You will not see or experience the past vow you have made. Let me tell you something. These are all vows, and you're sitting there going, why am I going from this problem to this problem to this problem? Because you have spoken, and you have framed your world, and Satan is literally jumping in the car in the framework of your life. It's so important to renounce those vows and announce new ones in your life. We're gonna do that. We're gonna have that exercise at the end of service today. We need to renounce those things. The Bible says renounce those things that are hidden of shame. Renounce those things, and we're supposed to make new announcements. I'll never forget when we had a teacher telling telling us that my daughter, my daughter Samantha, when she was in school, and here's this little seven-year-old girl, who's struggling in school and her teacher says, she's never gonna get it, she's so ADD, attention aid, she's never gonna get it. And you can see this little girl's whole, her whole picture of who she was. The light was going out. And I remember my wife being moved says, let's take her home, let's homeschool her. And all we did is spend time going, Samantha, you, you do have, you have the mind, of, the mind of God. You are a smart young lady. Can I just tell you something? My, and I'll tell you, it was God, through my wife, framing that new world in her life. Because her world was being framed by evil. And God began to frame it with righteousness. Her first year, she went into a public school, Whitehall Public School. Which is a couple years later. You know who was student of the year of the whole Whitehall school? Samantha. How can one student come from a kid who's academically way behind and so far? And how can Let me tell you something my wife, you know what? she is wonderful and as is, is intelligent as she is, she's no teacher. But God can do a wonderful, great thing. He can move on the faith of a parent and bring honor into a child's life and that receiver change and do the miraculous. And we're going to talk about that in just a few more moments. And you will make mistakes. I will share about my mistake yesterday. Number four, honor unlocks the spiritual realm which surpasses education and experience. Honor unlocks a spiritual realm. Okay, it unlocks the door. Ephesians six, we've already alluded to it, where it says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This that is accept their guidance and discipline as His representatives. For this is right. For obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor means esteem, value as precious. Your father and your mother. Be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you." and that you may have a long life on this earth. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are, that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with a loving kindness and the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, this doesn't just work, not just this honor doesn't just work for parent's It also works on the spiritual realm and other areas. Matthew chapter 10, 41, the Amplified Translation says this. He who receives and welcomes a prophet, because he's a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Which means I I can go over there and receive that reward or negate that reward. And he receives a righteous man. An honorable man, because he's a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. Here we're looking at God's intention is that you would receive. You could have. You could literally have just a, an impasse with somebody. Just a small little um, intersection with somebody's life, and they're a righteous person. And because you would receive the teaching, or you would receive the honor, you receive the value, you're going to have that value in your life. You never had to earn it. You never had to go to school for it. You never had to go over there and have an experience in it. You're going to just receive it just because that's God's pathway. That's what God wanted in the generations. He wanted generations to receive something they never had to be taught, they never had to have it through experience. You can, you can learn things through education and experience, or you can learn things through honor. Can you imagine what a society would be like? I can tell you what heaven's like, it's like that. You're gonna receive things you never worked for, you're gonna have things you never experienced, all because you received it through, say it with me, honor. And what do we have as a society today? No wonder we have a society that's so godless because they're so honorless. So if you have a society that's honorful, you're gonna have a society that's godful. Number five, there's power in a consecrated heart that offers itself up in a vow. Before I um, share this one, because we're just about finished, we're gonna talk about Jacob in a minute. Yesterday I, I talked about my uh, mistake and I was at uh, Putters Creek and we rent Seedews there and, and uh, anyway, I'm not there very often and, and uh, so I, I like to connect with people and I, I, I like to make an ex- uh, a moment with them or I want them to have a great experience and so I, I seen this couple at the table, I had seen their face before, I didn't know who they were, I had seen them before. What I had not known is is that we sent them home be- without riding a sedu before, because that they were underneath the influence. I had not known that, because I don't really I'm not there. I don't really understand all that. And, and if and if you know if people um, are are underneath an influence of whether it's marijuana, drugs, or alcohol, or anything, we you don't go on the, you don't go on, the, you don't get on a sedu, okay? You don't get a, you're not going to drive, and so we send them home. And I did not know that. So I seen their face. And remember, the power of words, guys. You guys listen to these. This is the power of words. So I see their face, and my heart is to make it, have an experience. My heart is to connect with them. I go, and I use the worst words ever. I go, you guys must be addicted. And I meant to say addicted to sea news. But I say, you must be addicted. And I saw their whole face, their countenance, look at me. And like I took the light right out of them. And I, I didn't know what I did wrong. I thought, man, that's kind of funny. You're addicted to see these. It wasn't funny. They were sent home because they, they, they were underneath the influence. And so I looked at my team, and they're going, they're kind of smirking and laughing like I'm the biggest moron that just ever had the moment. You know what? That's the worst thing any business person could ever say. True. All right? And so I went, okay, well, I guess this will be, be a teachable moment. So I went over there, and I found out what I did wrong. How many of your parents have ever done something dumb? Okay, if you don't raise your hand, I'm going to follow you, because I guarantee you do, all right? So I, you did something dumb. So I, I went over there, and I thought, right, okay, I did some, the dumbest thing ever. I went right, right back to him. and said, you guys, I am so sorry. I, I, I didn't know what had happened before, but what I meant to say is you were addicted to sea and I'm really sorry. And they go, oh. You know, And we had that moment, and then I was able to see them when they're after, but I wasn't trying to make up for my mistake, you can't make up for mistakes, you got it? God, You know, one of the best experiences I've ever had with my father, and I hope my father's watching this right now, one of the best experiences I've ever had with my dad was not because he was a righteous man, because he was, not because he was a man that, that was full of integrity, because he was, it was because when my dad made a mistake, and a big one at me, with me, he went down that night and apologized. That was one of the biggest moments of my entire life with my father. I went over, them. my dad was not too big to ever admit that he made make a mistake. I pray that we realize that if many of you, parents out there, you've made mistakes. And you don't weigh it and measure it because, well, the kids are making more mistakes. Oh, I get it, kids are. Making a lot of mistakes. You don't measure what you do because of what they are not doing or what they did wrong. You measure by what you're doing. And are you still framing it? And they need to see that you, a sinner, make mistakes. And how do you function out of it? Hopefully you guys can forget my dumb story. All right? All right. Genesis chapter 28. Jacob. If you don't know much about the Bible, just a little bit of history. Jacob... Um, And Esau, Jacob means deceiver, that's what it meant, and and what happened was, there was favoritism that was going on, and remember we had just talked about that, you're not supposed to have that, there was, I will guarantee you that Isaac was exasperating Jacob, because there was favor, he favored Esau, I didn't say it, the Bible says that. And Jacob was mama's boy, and there was a lot of things going on that we're in that scenario, and that Jacob found himself um, uh, getting the birthright of his older brother, stealing that birthright, and what happens is Esau wants to kill him, and now he runs off through his mother's instructions, not reconciliation, through his mother's instruction, he runs off to a relative. Finds the love of his life, but guess what? Through the love of his life, he's deceived for over 14 years. We're not talking 14 days, he's deceived. We, if we had somebody doing something wrong to us for 14 days, we wouldn't find ourselves forgiving. This guy's deceived for 14 years. And we're going to pick up on this story, all right? But before we get there, we're going to find in his journey, as he's leaving his brother, as he's leaving his mother, who was his best friend at the time, as he's leaving his brother, who's going to about to kill him, and leaving his dad, he finds himself, because God still has a plan for every one of us. And if we will humble ourselves, quiet ourselves, God will visit you. And this is where we pick up, where Jacob is having a visitation. Verse 16, Genesis 28 Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway of heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. What are we even talking about today? Power of our words, vows. Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I will return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial, this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me couple chapters later, you think it's just a couple days later, 14 years later, okay? Genesis 31. We pick up, same storyline, Genesis 31. That's why I love the Bible. Research it. Study it. Genesis 31, same guy, 14 years later, hardships. Verse 6. Talking to his wives. You know how hard I have worked for your father. He's cheated me, changing my wages 10 times. But God has not allowed him to be, do me any harm, for he said, the speckled animals will be your wages, and the whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind again, Laban, the striped animals will be your wages. Then the whole flock produced striped young. And in this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. One time during the mating season, I had a dream. Here's the second dream we find Jacob had, least recorded and saw that the male goats mating with the females were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, here I am. All this happens in a dream. The angel said, look up, and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock, for I have seen how Laban has che- treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel. Oh, wait a minute, a couple chapters later, or, and 14 years later, God appears. I am the God that appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you, anoint, you anointed the pillar of stone and made your, what does it say? What does it say? Your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. Do you see how powerful words are? Do you see a, a, the powerful a consecrated heart is to God? And then my last part of this is we need to break off wrong vows, and we need to make right vows. As I was writing this um, message this week, I was reminded of how I got saved. And I didn't really think about it until I was writing this message that um, my, my wife or my fiance, Brenda, my wife now, um, we obviously were courting. we were just, we we're in love. And every waking moment, any breathing moment, I wanted to be in her presence, like I still like to be there, and uh, what what happened was is that my father and I, um, we used to do a lot of just I don't know chit chat talking. And mom worked a lot of nights, and I didn't really know how affect how that affected him. I was just a young dumb young man, and I was just going on to what was next, and that was Brenda, and my dad was, you know, obviously probably there was. Obviously, some ill effect or whatever, and we didn't have words and, and uh, explain any of that. We, we just had actions that were hurtful. And what had happened was, is that my relationship with my father was, um, from my perspective, I don't know what it was like from my dad's perspective, but from my perspective, it was hard and negative. And I loved my dad, still do. But my, but my scenario, or I should say my um, my environment wasn't uh, conducive to, it was, just wasn't friendly. It didn't, wasn't friendly from my perspective. And I remember um, going to a church for my first time after my boat crash and never been in a church like this before. And the pastor gave an invite. It was uh, Pastor Benson, great man of God, First Assembly. He just gave an invite to the altar. And I I don't remember what else he said because it really was immaterial, but I remember what God was saying and I remember what I was talking to God. I was making a vow. I didn't know that then. I was just, again, just a dumb young man. I said, God, if you're for real, word for word is what I said in my heart. I said, if you're for real, God, please heal the relationship I have with my dad. I gave my life to God that, that day. And I really never really gave it much thought what, what happened at home, but my, my relationship with my dad just completely, at least from my perspective, and maybe that's all it needed. It was me to have a change of heart, but did a 180. And it, you know, here's the sad thing. God does so many things, right? And many times we don't even give him thanks for what he's done. We're, we're on to the next thing. It was years later where i gave honor to god for my vow i'd forgotten about my vow i was so caught up with my relationship with god i had forgotten the vow i made with god and then god reminded me as i was spending time with him he goes do you remember i go yes lord he goes okay then many times we make and i i gave two stories today one It was a beautiful, happy moment with God. Two, it was a real dumb moment with a person and, you know, a customer. I gave two stories from, you know, and I just want to share with you because I don't know what it is that God's going to prick your heart. Maybe it's, maybe it's a vow. Maybe it's a moment where you just say, God, I haven't given thanks or I haven't given honor to whom honor is due. Or maybe it's God saying to, maybe to a family member, uh, I know that this last Monday, this message has touched me so much, I, I went back to my pastor, and I just told him how thankful I was. I went back to my dad, my mom, I said how thankful I was. Because you can't have a message like this that doesn't, I mean, if you let it grip you, it's going to have an effect on you. And it had such an effect on I me. Mean, yet this same week, I still made the dumbest mistake in the world with a customer, So I I wish it could make you dumb proof, but but it don't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, But I will share this with your words in this next moment. The things that God is pricking out of the treasure, uh, the treasure of your heart come forth good or bad. And if right now there's a lot of bad in your heart, give it to God and renounce those let me share it i renounce i'm not going to always do it dumb i'm not i'm not i'm not foolish i'm not an idiot i renounce that thought i'm not going to always be addicted I renounce the idea that I'm always going to have this alcohol problem or this drug addiction or these, or or maybe this you know over the counter drugs that many people are struggling with. I renounce the idea that my marriage is always going to be bad or he's never going to he's going to, he's never going to value he's never going to see or he's a couch potato or I, I renounce the idea of my poor picture of him or her. I, I'm I'm not going to have this. That's just I I renounce that and then then please don't just get caught up in the renouncing. Start making the announcements. You know, I've learned this in my worship of my own, my Lord. Sad, but so true that sometimes I don't know how to announce how great he is without music and lyrics. That's sad, isn't it? And, and when I'm sitting in my truck yesterday and I'm not, you know, i was driving in my truck yesterday and, and I'm, I'm trying to formulate worship words quickly I run out of words that would announce how great he is. How quickly I do. Because I don't have a practice of it. Whatever you practice, you get good at. Why not practice? And what I'm finding in my own heart is, is practicing worship a lot. And I start with the words I already have. God, you're majestic. You're wonderful. You're redemptive. You're so good, so good, good, good. You're understanding. These are words I've experienced. But if I want to have, have experiences with God I've never had before, what should I announce? The words I've never had before. Because if that's the frame that I'm looking for, so if, I've never, if, if you're out there, I have a wonderful marriage, thank God for that. But if you're struggling in a marriage or a relationship, it's easy to talk about how bad it is all you're doing is talking about what happened in the past but god wants you to be a, a child of faith and that you would speak and announce things of faith and god goes my child's talking again let's get involved with that let's bring some angels to empower that let's bring all heaven and you know all that and let's you know and then probably if you're like pastor ron he'll start doing what you're announcing and two years later you'll find yourself, God changed it all and you're gonna go, you're gonna get a little pat on the head and going, hey, when are you gonna give thanks? Because I did that. Chet's not that will happen. But point is, is it all happened because you started making the announcements. So two things in closing. Renounce the junk. If it's not how God sees you Then stop thinking about it, talking about it, and and you know what? And stop having an opinion of yourself. My password, and I've said it before, so I don't care if you know, I am a big deal. Because my whole life I grew up with people, coaches, and teachers telling me I wasn't. So I had to tell myself what God said about me, not what others said about me. I don't know. I want to hear what God says about me, and I'm going to make that an announcement in my life. So you need to start making announcements how God sees you, how God sees your marriage. You need to see your marriage how God sees it, not how the world or how your experience or the blindness and darkness of your soul sees it, but how God sees it, amen? Please bow your heads, close your eyes. During this, I just, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are shut, during this worship time, I believe that there's gonna be some time, whether it's in your seat, whether it's up here at the altar, that Lord is gonna just prick your hearts with thoughts, impressions, opinions, judgments, things that you've said, things that others have said, and yet you're gonna to need to forgive. You're gonna to have to make some renouncing of those things so the enemy can literally stop today. He has no place. Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, you shall not pass. The enemy shall not, no longer have a passage in your life, and that God will now have a passage in your life in that same area where the enemy did. That song where what you took, what the enemy went for evil, you turned it for good. That's what God's talking about. You renounce those things that the enemy's had in your life. You renounce those opinions and judgments. And the very thing the enemy meant to destroy, destroy your relationships, destroy your kids, destroy your marriage, destroy your your health, destroy your life, God turned it for good. If it wasn't a test, it'd never be a testimony. Thank You, Father. Father, I pray right now for Your lead. Lord, I, just, I don't know what you're going to do, I just know you're going to do it. In the next few minutes Whether people are on, Lord God, if they're on television, I pray in the living room, the, the car, whatever, they pull aside, and God, they just get their hearts rendered to you, consecrated like Jacob did, God, you're in this place, and that He does His work in your heart, and you renounce those things. Like I did with that couple yesterday, said, I'm sorry, it's not what I meant, it's not what I implied, and I'm so sorry how it was received. Many of you have received things wrong in your heart. We renounce those things, God, we announce You are redeeming. You are caring. You have new beginnings. You have fresh starts. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. Some of you, you're going to dedicate your life to God for the first time. Others of you, you're going to rededicate your life. You're going to dedicate your marriage, dedicate your kids, dedicate your tomorrow. You're going to stop talking about the the junk that's in this world and the things that you've experienced and the frustrations that you have around you. And you're going to start talking about God has talked to you today in His house. Because He's a good, good dad. Father, I thank you for that. I, I just, I trust the next moments into your hands, God. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service. Have your way in this worship time. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's all stand up, let's worship Him together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to MyLifeChangeChurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.